The world around us is changing faster than ever before. before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome, Welcome. to Data Welcome. Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be, bold, be brave, be and be brave. fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome back to Data Gurus. This is Seema Vasa, your host. Today I have a special treat for those of you who were not able to attend SampleCon in Los Angeles a couple weeks ago. I've created a two-part series from the session that I moderated, which was titled Future-Proofing Our Industry. We talked about a range of topics, which you'll hear throughout these two-part series. And what I wanted to share with the people that attended, thank you so much for being able to get there. It wasn't easy. And for those who could not get there because of the pandemic, we missed you. And we are so excited to see you in person very soon. With that, take a listen. This session is filled with lots of topics. I mean, it's been, what, 20 months since we've actually got together and talked about changes in the industry. We have talent topics related to how are we all going to go back to work, diversity and inclusion. We have supply topics. We have market dynamics. We're going to dive into them. But before we do, I want to have our esteemed panel do a brief introduction about you, anything you want to share with the audience. Starting with you, Patrick. All right. So my name is Patrick Comer. I am pumped to be here. Just super thrilled to be seeing everyone finally. So thank you for showing up because I'm just happy to be around you all right now. So thanks. This is great. I finally found out that uh, Lucid and Dynata are really connected via Bob and I's beekeeping right. capabilities. So <laughs> it may be competition, but we cooperate and partner on beekeeping, which you just right. learned. So we're actually going to divert this to beekeeping now. And I was told I'd get to introduce Patrick. So oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> well, we both have the same haircut, too, so this is great. It's a little different. Thanks, Patrick. <laughs> Patrick from Lucid. <laughs> Except uh, mine's a little grayer than yours. I'm Bob Fawson with Dynata and been with the company in some capacity since 2007. Echo your sentiments. Glad to be here. Hey everyone. Mario Carrasco, co-founder of ThinkNow. Started ThinkNow about 10 years ago, but I've been in the sample industry for 15 years now. And I'm Rebecca Brooks. I'm the founder and CEO of Alter Agents, which is on the full surface side. Great. A nice, diverse panel. Woo. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Okay. What's on everybody's mind? You know, what does work look like in the next six to 12 months? What are you guys thinking about as leaders, as individuals? People are considering their options. I'd love to get your perspectives in terms of what you're thinking about or what you've already done as it relates to office, remote, and in any other things that you've addressed. Rebecca, I'd start with you. Okay, sure. Yeah, we transitioned pretty easily to full-time remote during the pandemic. We had already had one of our senior people living in Santa Barbara. Since then, we've had two people leave the state and a, another one on the way. We also grew by 100%. Our staff doubled during the pandemic, so we did that while working remotely. 
And we, you know, learned a lot from that. So we've actually decided to let our lease lapse. It lapsed at the end of June. It's very nice to not have that line item in the budget anymore. And we're going to stay fully remote. It's been, I think, challenging in the sense that we don't have the normal sort of let's go get some lunch together or hang out in the kitchen kind of, you know, chit-chatty moments. So what I've done is I have scheduled times that I meet with everybody one-on-one once a month, and we just chat. We just talked about stuff. They can talk to me about business stuff, or I can hear about their wedding plans or their new puppy or whatever it may be, and it gives us an opportunity. It's a little bit structured, but it's keeping us connected, and then we do kind of group things But I think that overall, my staff at least is very happy. Mm -hmm. There's this sort of, one of the things I've realized is there's this kind of performative nature of being at work, particularly where we sat in an open plan. People would sit at their desks and put their headphones on and feel like they had to be there during a certain period of time. And working from home has sort of released us from that stress. And yeah, I think we're working better than ever. Do you anticipate a downside in terms of, you know, collaborating with employees impromptu, kind of thinking about a problem that comes up and, you know, you walk down the hallway and talk to somebody? Yeah, no, thank God for technology, right? So we are addicted to Slack. We're on, we're Mm -hmm. constantly slacking one another and calling one another through Slack. So it actually is probably more spontaneous than trying to interrupt somebody that's at their desk with their headphones on right? and just, you know, ping them a message. So we've actually found communication to be really fluid. I think the main concern for me is our culture is very important Mm. to me and making sure that we keep our company values and uphold that as we all sort of split apart. That's been the, the, the challenge I could see on the horizon, especially as we grow. Bob, how about you? Yeah, I mean, a lot of what you say resonates with me. I worry a little bit about onboarding, helping new members of the team find mentors mm-hmm. and learn how to work in a professional environment or in the environment of the company. And so we've been pursuing a hybrid model. But even just being here today, it feels like I'm not sure any of us know what our preference will be six months from now. I was a little hesitant to go to the airport yesterday yeah, and uh, leave my basement with something other than Birkenstocks on my feet. And now that I'm here, it's wonderful. And so I'm looking forward to that evolution. But certainly it was a big shift for our company as well. I think the IT help desk is still cursing the uh, <laughs> laptops we bought when the supply chain was tight to send people home all around the world. But if anything, it's great to see how resilient people are. And I like to think we'll end up in a place mm-hmm. where there's a little more balance between work and non-work life. Mario? Yeah. So, you know, when we founded Think Now, I think working from home was a core tenant. I mean, this is back 2010 when the cloud was a thing, yeah. right? We wanted to be a cloud-first company. But really, flash forward, we have leadership out of our headquarters in Los Angeles. We have sales staff around the country. We have project management teams in India, development teams in Latin America. And I think for us, the most difficult part of the pandemic was not being able to see our overseas employees. Those kind of once, twice a year gatherings, whether it be India, whether it be Mexico, were really uh, great for team building, especially, you know, working across international lines. Technology has definitely helped, you know, but we, I mean, part of our culture is kind of just getting in person and interacting. Mm-hmm. And I can say me personally, like I really missed going into the office. We did keep our lease and we would kind of rotate throughout the pandemic. So just one person at the time going to the office. And so we had that routine of working from home the majority of the time um, and then coming in sporadically. So we've kind of taken the approach of opening the office, letting people come in when they want. And we've found, you know, so far that's working great about 
I would say 70% of our employees are coming in two to three times a week, and the rest are coming in almost every day. Um, so our approach has really been, if you feel comfortable, come in when you mm-hmm. want. So, um, Patrick, I want to hear from you, but I want to add another question to this, and that is, you know, don't you feel that COVID now, we're responsible now for the whole being? We were before, but now through COVID, we had to look at a person not just from a work lens, but also from a holistic perspective, just given, you know, some of the tragedy, the, the mental wear and tear. How have you addressed some of that? Well, it's not just us, the entire team. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's just me. It's just everyone. Yeah. I mean, especially as a global company, you realize or we realize constantly that the pandemic affects different parts of the world differently. Right. And it's not over. Right. We have this bubble moment here. Right. Which is pretty wildly cool that we get to do this. It's not happening in other markets, mm-hmm. right? We saw it particularly, everyone, of course, knows in terms of India. And that was a scenario where we went out of our way to try to find a way to help the people and their families, much less try to keep connected or do business. Right. Right? And it was, I remember specifically having to remind the team in India that they could have extra days off. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Right? You actually don't have to work while you're sick yeah. or your family's sick. And so it's just really trying to live into one of our core values, which is compassion. Mm-hmm. And I think for myself, at least... Constantly being reminded that everyone is going through this and that we are all innately very human at this moment mm-hmm. uh, and a common experience has made me a more empathetic, hopefully more compassionate person. Yeah. But I think it's probably been true for everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think so, even some of the conversations that you know, you and I have had mm-hmm. over the past 18 months, it's been more human than yes, business. Yes, for sure. Yep. Anybody want to add to that? I would add on top of that. I think the global nature has been very interesting, and I think it's been supportive of the company culture to watch. Mm-hmm. Offices in Europe or offices in the Philippines take the work that mm-hmm. others couldn't take, and it's really connected people across cultures and across legacy companies that mm-hmm. have you know made up Dynata. And so for all of the challenge and all of the tragedy, it's also been a catalyst, I think, for a lot of expression of good and support within the company. And, you know, I think that's what's so difficult about moving forward. Yeah. You can't recognize that and then shift you know, gears to back to the old model. Shift immediately, yeah, right. right. You have yeah. to kind of let it be a little bit organic and see Agreed. what it looks like going yeah. forward. And I think one of the big challenges is the labor market is completely crazy right mm-hmm. now. I think if you're trying to hire anyone right now, it's quite dynamic. <laughs> There's a lot of potential turnover. I think that it's more competitive than ever. I'm wondering how that actually parlays down into the sample supply side, right? Yeah. Is there a correlation or not between supply constriction and the overall labor market, particularly here in the U.S.? Mm-hmm. Once everyone went remote, suddenly every technology company also decided they could hire from anywhere in the country. There was no more geographic right. bias to hiring. So all of a sudden, our core teams in New Orleans were being called by not a few companies in California, but all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I think one of the key things that we decided to do was to move out of a geographic focus on labor mm-hmm. and you use a, a nationwide tier. So we actually leveled up a lot of people's salaries in the middle of COVID to actually have a competitive salary rate for the entire country versus independent geographic, geographic because yeah. geography didn't matter anymore. Right. I mean, we have team members who are traveling around in RVs. So like we're, they're technically in the New Orleans office, yeah. but we haven't seen them in 18 months. So, you know, so what does that even mean? I've seen anymore? a little bit that. Which yeah, office are they going to go to if they're in the middle of Idaho right yeah. now? Right. So. Yeah. All right. Diversity and inclusion is a hot topic. It's really bubbled up. It, I mean, it's always a hot topic, but it's become a national topic for our society and also for business. 
I'd like to get a perspective on what you guys are doing about it, what initiatives, activities um, you are putting in place within your organizations. Mario, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, so, you know, 2020 was an interesting time for our company. I'm not a diversity and inclusion expert. Our company doesn't do diversity and inclusion, but given the events of 2020 kind of and what we do as a company, I was given a platform that I stepped into. I mean, so I can kind of just speak on what we've done as a company. I mean, I think and building on the conversations yesterday about talent, one thing that's worked for us is, you know, we're a mission-based company, right? And our mission is, you know, to make sure that voices that are historically overlooked are represented in research, whether that's from a sample perspective or a full service perspective. And I think having that clear mission as a company has really helped us not only attract talent, but also retain talent and attract diverse talent. I know that may not be applicable for all of our companies, but I think that's definitely something that diverse candidates are looking for. Mm-hmm. And younger, I mean, younger talent, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at yeah. Gen Z, millennial, you look at their purchase behavior, those same types of values are extending into the companies that they want to work for, right? The first thing candidates are doing, they're going to your website, they're looking at the about us, mm-hmm. they're looking at the leadership team. If they don't see themselves reflected there, if they don't see programs in place for them to grow and become into leadership positions, they're likely not going to consider your company. I've had actually a real world example where I recommended a woman for a job and she looked at the website and she's like, I don't see myself anywhere in this company and the leadership does not reflect my voice and I don't, and that's a major issue for getting good talent. Anybody else would like to comment on that? I will. We had kind of a turning point internally at our company. After George Floyd was murdered, we Mm -hmm. had a very sort of heart to heart reckoning with what is our role? You know, we gave everybody in the company a thousand dollars and said, you can put this towards any charity that you want to put it towards, but it didn't feel like enough. Mm -hmm. And it actually spawned, it's kind of a silly name, but the Jedi team, which is uh, justice, equality, diversity, and inclusion in our company where we, it's a group of young folks that took this on themselves to look at all sorts of things from how do we ask ethnicity and gender questions in our surveys to how do we work with our sample providers to make sure that we're reaching diverse audiences. But beyond that, also our own initiatives of taking more of a proactive role in trying to diversify our staff Mm -hmm. rather than just putting out a job description and seeing what kind of resumes come through, but actually like we've built connections with local community colleges Mm -hmm. in LA to try to create sort of a pipeline from their students to our company so we can sort of elevate those resumes that we may not have otherwise gotten. So we're really trying to step into some sort of like proactive Mm -hmm. action. And I think that it's been really good for the staff to feel like that we're, that we can point to something tangible that we're doing. So we're continuing also, I mean, part of the Jedi mission is to keep looking for things Mm -hmm. that we can do better. So actually I should say too, during pride month, we looked at our entire company policy and our healthcare policy and um, our partners, our sample provider partners policies and said, who is not fitting with our values about that. And we updated our policies to include, you know, time away for transition surgeries or, you know, other things we just hadn't thought to include before that we made sure were explicit and clear. So fantastic. we're just, I think, trying to look inward and fix ourselves as much as we can. I'd add, I mean, you shared some research that uh, you had done about 
individuals' anxiety levels throughout different points in the pandemic. And I think for us at Dynata, it was such a catalyst after the murder of George Floyd to have internal dialogues across cultures, across uh, countries where we brought in experts to moderate those dialogues. And they were really, I think, substantive. They were beautiful in a lot of ways. They're very healing. And I think that was a catalyst to allow us to be much more intentional about what we wanted to do inside the company and have the focus and determination to actually execute the plan. And I see that in many places throughout the industry. And I like the, you know, the comments about how we sample as well. I think, you know, we probably all know we're doing it wrong in how we recruit and retain members and what the, it's uh, largely a one size fits all model. And I Mm -hmm. think part of, you know, as an industry, we can be a bigger force for good in this area by rethinking how we do that and providing more representation and data. And so I think we have double opportunity. And, you know, I hope the energy in this area continues. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting, you know, mentioned the, the sample perspective. And I was thinking about it this morning, right, when, you know, the panels that we build, talking about our value propositions to you all and, you know, why we re- can recruit certain groups. And really what it's about, it's, it takes some time, dedication, and also like a real investment, you know, to your point about being proactive. So from a sample perspective, right, these groups that traditionally have been hard to reach, I think a lot of the time in the industry, we we try to do things the same way. So you can take that type of thinking as well to recruitment and retention, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to take a little bit more effort. The systems that we have in place aren't necessarily built for diverse talent or diverse sample. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult, right? It's not easy. I think where you're starting, having those conversations is a great first step, but also just being proactive. If diversity is something you're going to want to do, it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to take time and it's going to take an investment. I think COVID taught us empathy, right? The core of it. And so now it's using that empathy, not just for what COVID's done to families and individuals, but it's also this topic and being empathetic and understanding how might that person feel and it's complex as a leader, right? Because it's customization almost in terms of leadership. And it takes time to think about how do we address this diverse population and bring leadership up through the system. Patrick, I know you have several initiatives going on. I was just thinking about Mario. Now, we had several discussions during the last 18 months on the, the real opportunity the sample industry has right. to change how our customers think about everything from gender to ethnicity, even education. If you think about all the profiling questions that we ask, a lot of those profiling questions become quotas. A lot of those profiling questions, how they're framed and those quotas create the slides and the insights and how marketing and branding and our customers look at and view the world. And so a lot of what we can do as an industry is make sure that we are identifying and providing the voices within the sample, within the data itself, so they can be seen and heard. Because if there's no quota, if there's no identification, it's just blended in with something else. Mm -hmm. I know that our team spent a lot of time just working on gender, which is how do we move beyond just male and female. And we spend a lot of research on research and just trying to figure out how do we evolve it to that next Mm -hmm. step. And it may seem simple, but the answer that we came up with is male, female, and other, Mm -hmm. and starting to provide that as an answer so that our customers can start actually creating that group and actually understanding what that other gender right. has to say and what they have to believe. Wouldn't it be a shame if we let the Census Bureau change faster than us? Right. Yeah, that's and, a really good point. 
Well, if you look at this, I mean, honestly, if you look at ethnicity in the census documents, especially the last one, yeah. in the lens of today, it's like, what is going on, right? And to think that our entire profiling at Lucid in the 2010 census is completely just wrong now. Now, are we supposed to, as an industry, just be led by the census, or are we supposed to do something else? And that's an open question, because we have the opportunity to define profiling that, you know, this country and a lot of other countries use in terms of how they view who are people. Mm-hmm. What are the definitions and how do we go about uh, engaging with them? I have to plug. So get in there. Yeah. So yeah. Um, over the pandemic, we had these conversations and some of the work that we've done with Insights in Color. Mm-hmm. Now in Lucid, we actually released standards. So demographic questions for screeners. So you can download that at insightsincolor.com. And what's great also about this moment, the pandemic really presents an opportunity for us to rethink how we ask those questions, because a lot of the pushback, right, has been, you know, I have this decade-long tracker, and how am I going to add <laughs> other to it, right? There's issues with that that we can talk about. But the pandemic has, like, completely changed how we consume products, how we live our life. Mm-hmm. If we're going to make updates that are more inclusive, like, now is the time. So we have this really unique opportunity now as we get out of the pandemic to update how we ask these questions and be more inclusive as an industry. Fantastic. Every time I'm asked this question, I realize we haven't done enough. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to talk about the things we did over last summer because Mm -hmm. it was the moment. Um, I get get bent out of shape because when I think about what are we doing now, where's that intensity we had? What's actually the next big step we're supposed to take? Because it's really easy to be intentional at the beginning. Mm -hmm. What about the middle? They make progress feel good, yeah. right? And then kind of it drops off. Yeah. yeah. And so you asked me this question, and I actually like ran the data this morning. I was like, all right, I know senior <laughs> cares, right? Yes. And so what does the gender makeup look for Lucid, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, good. All right. So, yeah. all right, so the C-suite's one of eight. I'll just be really honest. Yeah. Right? C-suite's one of seven, actually. One of seven is female, right? Okay. Our senior vice president layer is all female. Okay. And if you look at all vice presidents, it's 50-50. Okay. So that has some value to it, right? If you look at our board, we have one female advisor, Mm -hmm. and then we intentionally, over the summer, replaced a board member with the intentionality of diversity. Okay. And so we brought on Deborah Elam, who is the first officer, uh, first black female officer of GE and ran diversity for that company for 30 years. Because I think you just got to start at the top. You got to make intentional Agreed. decisions and say, we're going to do something at the board level, yeah. at the C-suite level. But I say these things like it's supposed to say, oh, we did it. We haven't done it yet. No, the hard work is after it. you make those decisions and integrating those voices into decision making. Like that's hard, right? Oh. Because if you have, if they're not like-minded people, then you actually have to listen more. You have to factor in their opinions and make them feel comfortable and confident that they can, they're in a safe space. But you, I mean, that's huge what you've done, right? But it's the next part's coming. The, <laughs> the little, the power of those choices yes. is that if you look at the incoming resumes, mm-hmm. the number of diverse candidates who are showing up now yeah. is very different than it was a year yeah. ago. And so that just matters. It does. Um, in terms of talent, especially today when talent is so hard to work with. Anyway, okay. We've, I've not done enough. How about that? Well, progress is good. Thanks for tuning in this week to listen to part one of my session that I moderated at SampleCon related to future-proofing the industry. Next week, we'll have part two, and we have a range of topics that we'll cover. We'll also get personal. We'll find out what our guests learned 
the most as it related to their experience with COVID, either professionally or personally. Check back in next week. Thanks and have a great week ahead. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling, programming and hosting services or consultation. We are agile and quick to meet your needs. Visit ParadigmSample.com today. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. Exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.